Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, September the 8th, 2022. As always, I'm in San Francisco on the edge of Silicon Valley, just up the road from Google and YouTube and all those other giants. Um, last week, I, I thought we did an interesting uh, interview with Evan Pushak. He's a talented young man, maybe not quite so young, but certainly not old like me. He um, is a YouTube videographer, uh, and we talked about his new book, uh, Escape into Meaning, essays on Superman, public benches, and other obsessions. He's not just a talented videographer and video essayist. He's also a very good writer. Uh, he has a, a YouTube channel called The Nerd Writer, and it gets a lot of uh, attention. One of his uh, most popular uh, video essays on YouTube, surprise, surprise, is on our old friend Donald Trump, got over... 10 million views. And one of the things that intrigued me in talking to Pushak was why he invested his time in writing a book, given that he gets all these millions of views on YouTube. YouTube, of course, is the platform for creatives. Uh, and when I asked him both uh, live and off screen, he was vague about the revenue sources from YouTube. And I got the sense that for him, writing a book was much more real, actually, than his video essay. So ironically, he went from being a star on YouTube, which might not have been a way of making much of a living, uh, to becoming a writer. It's the wrong way of doing it, but it speaks of all the paradoxes and uncertainties of YouTube as the increasingly dominant platform for young creatives um, in America today. We're doing a show today on YouTube. Finally, we have a real book on YouTube. There have been lots of books about Google and Facebook and Instagram and Amazon uh, and WeWorks, but there hasn't really been a serious book about YouTube. Now we have one from the uh, Bloomberg reporter, Mark Bergen. It's entitled Like comment, subscribe, uh, inside YouTube's chaotic rise to world domination. Mark is joining us from the Bloomberg offices in New York. Ma Mark, welcome. Uh, to begin, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Evan Pushak's work. He's just one creative on, on, on YouTube. But you've done a lot of work on trying to figure out the business model, the business secrets of YouTube. Is it a platform that is enabling young creatives with a few million views to make a living? Or is it really a winner-take-all platform where only the real superstars with their tens or hundreds of millions of views are able to make a real living off YouTube? Uh, I think the answer with everything in YouTube is that it's always a little bit of both. Um, I, I do think my sense is that the economics of, of the platform are pretty skewed to the top earners. We have, uh, you know, YouTubers now uh, in channels in, in excess of 100 million uh, subscribers, uh, these, these massive audiences. Uh, I think those at, at the top 
um, whether it's you know individual YouTube personalities, uh, the, the biggest channel is, is uh, T Series, which is a kind of a Bollywood production studio. Uh, they're certainly making a, a bulk of the uh, advertising revenue from the company. That, that being said, you know, part of YouTube and its parent company, Google, their success is built on what they call in the business the long tail. Uh, in, in Google's case, it is you know, every small mom and pop uh, retailer in the world wants to run a search ad. Uh, in, in YouTube's case, the, the, the long tail of video production and the number of people who upload videos. And uh, the most recent example now is just that they're turning their attention on podcasting because a lot of YouTube creators were already just doing podcasting, putting their podcast on video. YouTube wants people to do the same. They want anyone who has a podcast to just upload it naturally to YouTube. That is a long tail of advertising. The company has had a, a, a lot of the, the book gets into this some tumult in that business, but it's still it, the, what they've shared publicly is over two million, you know, creators they call them uh, tapped into their AdSense model, and so that's a significant number. I think uh, it is it is skewed too heavily towards uh, the, the highest earners, and probably will always be. Uh, that being said, it's something that there's nothing on par on the internet right now. You write in a recent. Um... Uh, a recent uh, Bloomberg piece that the world is, and I'm not sure if you came up with this headline, but the world is going gaga over YouTube. It's uh, a good headline. 90% of teens surveys said they use the video platform. It's astonishing. I mean, it's it's really become ubiquitous, Mark, right? I, yeah, I thought what was most revealing about that study, twofold, it was a Pew study that polled American teens, and they went back, and I think it was 2014 to 2021, they didn't even ask them about uh, YouTube in twenty in twenty fourteen, in, in part because YouTube is not necessarily categorized as social media. Uh, we don't think of it that way. Uh, I, I argue that, that we should, but in in the sense that it's not, you don't go on. To, often, your experience of YouTube is not your friends and family, your uncle, uh, or, or something posting. It, it is professionals uh, or semi professionals. Um, but you know, TikTok is the, the, what was revealing with that stat was you know, uh, on teens are using Facebook less and less. They're using TikTok more and more, but they're relying and using YouTube more than anything else. Uh, and that's been consistent across uh, several studies, uh, just younger generation. TikTok is the primary or sorry, YouTube is the primary screen. Even with TikTok, YouTube is is their television. Uh, it, it is where it, it's a, it's both a powerful force in entertainment uh, and the world's second biggest search engine, uh, and just a utility that people turn to for information, for how-to videos, uh, for a, a whole wealth uh, of activity. So, of course, YouTube is also a television streaming service. You can do YouTube TV, which has always seemed a, a real bargain to me and seems to speak to the death now, ultimately, of, of cable television. Uh, ZDNet just had a piece today about why you choose your YouTube TV when you can ditch your cable company. Google might not be everybody's best friend, but they're certainly a better friend or less load than the cable channel. In your view, uh, Mark, is the real historic story of YouTube um, when it gets, I mean, you've written one now, but when it gets written in 10 or 15 and 20 years, when all the dust has settled, will it be of YouTube being the platform, as you suggested earlier, for the long tail, for the Evan Pushaks of the world, or is it ultimately a platform that will come to replace cable television? Uh, 
I, I mean, people have been promising the death of cable for a long time. I mean, Google Google Video, you know, one thing that's fascinating the book was that uh, Google Video before YouTube existed was a product that Google was pushing uh, and they announced it initially as this uh, kind of replacing the cable box. Uh, that clearly didn't happen. Google it was video. a real failure, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember yes. having um, Stephen Levy many years ago when this show resided on mm -hmm. uh, on, on TechCrunch. Stephen Levy came on the show to talk about his then new book, In the Plex, which was one of the first serious books about Google. And we talked extensively about Google's ambition in the video space, and we barely mentioned uh, YouTube. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, in back then, that was that was what I think 2010, 2011 was yeah came out right. That you know, YouTube was it. There was some reporting I have in the book that it was there were discussions internally about this thing is uh, a waste of money, right? Like this is it is what it the, is free. the Google video or YouTube? Yeah, no, YouTube, YouTube. It, yeah, because it, it cost a billion at the time. Yeah, well, not even it just it cost uh, one one point five billion. Right, but the, the amount of money they have to spend on servers to, to you know, print free videos, they didn't have, they had like nascent to little advertising at the time. It wasn't seen, you know, the, it was a joke internally, was dogs on skateboards. There was this viral clip, an early one of a, I mean, it's, you know, entertaining clip of a dog riding a skateboard. But that, that would, why would, why would a major brand, why would a P&G want to pay to get their sponsorship on a dog on skateboards? And, 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 it, and for, for YouTube's case, it, it's role inside. Google, there was no clear um, model necessarily for turning this user-generated content into a commercial business. That that really happened about a decade ago when they flipped the switch. Uh, and, and so I think to go back to your to your initial question, I think that you know they've always seen their their business model has been we're going to go to marketers that are spending on television and show them basically the eyeballs that are moving to the internet and the discrepancy between the amount of money they spend to run on a CBS primetime slot versus the amount of money they could be spending to target a consumer on YouTube. Uh, and that has been a compelling case. It, it was slower than the company wanted, but certainly in the past five years, that business has grown tr tremendously. And after they've you know, put in place safeguards and, and are now dealing with regulation, um, and you could, I think there's a, there's a profound argument that that they are moving in that direction and, and they want to be you mentioned YouTube TV as a product. The other aspect uh, of YouTube is they're pushing to have uh, YouTube on smart TVs. So not just the over the top um, $65 a month uh, premium service, but actually you, you, if you have Apple TV, if you, you know, anything that the people YouTube has shown a, an increased uh, viewing hours of people actually watching YouTube on television. So I think that's going to be the increasingly future is a TV world will look more and more like YouTube and YouTube will look more and more like TV. It's an astonishing vision. And for many people, it will be a chilling one. The, the dominant video platform on the internet, as well as the dominant uh, replacement to cable. We all hate our cable companies, but I, I, my guess is in the future, we'll probably hate YouTube even more for one reason or another. Uh, go on. Oh, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Google's, you know, they, Google Fiber, if we it's still kind of around, but at one point that was a much more ambitious plan to actually replace. Cable. So it seems to me, uh, I mean, from your title, um, uh, from your title on this book on YouTube, uh, Inside YouTube's Chaotic Rise to World Domination, are you suggesting that there was no plan? I, I remember in the early days, I remember, you know, Hurley and Chen meeting those guys. They were the classic internet startups. They used to show up to TechCrunch events in the early days. Is the real achievement of YouTube 
that Susan uh, Wachitsky, uh, who Wachitsky, uh, who has been uh, running the company now for a number of years, one of the Wachitsky sisters, remarkable uh, uh, group of women, uh, as well as their mother, who I, I've spent some time with, um, has she successfully figured out a way to manage this? Leviathan below the radar so that no one even kind of notices it. it's so ubiquitous it's like the the air or water and we simply forget about it I think you're absolutely right uh, I, there's a there's a variety of reasons why YouTube has not faced the same scrutiny as as Facebook uh, and Twitter despite dealing with many of the same issues and I would argue uh, in uh, even more complicated issue right like you know so if, if you're concerned with um, the impact of social media on democracy, if you're concerned with misinformation, if you're concerned with uh, the, these social media programmers that, that haven't historically um, really had any guardrails in place or um, rules about who can be authoritative and who can't be, that uh, YouTube has not only promoted them, right? Like as, as far as algorithmically uh, rec recommending videos and, and giving them a platform, YouTube was the first company to pay broadcasters. And, and you know, we talked about at the beginning that has had this profoundly uh, important influence and in, in reshaped fame and culture and politics and media and created the profession online influencer and creator that didn't exist two decades ago. It's it has you know this is YouTube it, they call it the partner program uh, their AdSense you know, revenue sharing they don't really talk about them as sort of business partners but this is YouTube going to business with a lot of creators in the past few years after the, the backlash, many creators that they've since pulled the plug on, right? Like, you know, Alex Jones is sort of the iconic example. What was a, a, had a popular YouTube channel, ran ads, right? Was like a, a, a Google business partner. And if we think about it that way, uh, I, I think, which, which we should, that's, that's expectedly what it is. Um, it is, it is a really like interesting and, and important. If we look at the way that Google has seeded not just the, the spread and change of information, but the online economy. Google's very proud now of um, of, uh, of YouTube uh, in the Alphabet front page. Alphabet, of course, being the holding company for Google and YouTube and um, the rest of the Google empire. Uh, Larry and Sergey, the two co-founders of uh, Google, uh, right? We did a lot of things that seemed crazy at the time. Many of those crazy things now have over a billion users like Google Maps, YouTube, Chrome, and Android. Is YouTube up there with Chrome and Android and indeed Maps and perhaps even the Google search engine as the jewel in the crown of the alphabet empire? Oh, for sure. I mean, it is, it is over 2 billion um, monthly users. Uh, it is a, a, in a you know, right now uh, on, on Google's, yeah, the Alphabet Empire has self-driving cars. It has biotech. Uh, it has you know projects for human longevity. But really, the fundamental business is remains search advertising. The second biggest business is you know, this display advertising, and then and then YouTube, and then now they're they're moving into cloud computing. But used to YouTube gives them uh, a, a real leg and a foothold in uh, social media, right? It, it has. You know, uh, it's it give them uh, video advertising. They're the, the biggest video advertising platform. If if we look at sort of the the direction of the 
uh, online economy is, you know, money is still moving from conventional advertising to digital. There's a lot more e-commerce that these companies like YouTube are jumping into. Uh, YouTube is, is Google's vehicle for e-commerce. Um, I think just today they, they um, uh, made an announcement about uh, that they're actually kind of starting licensing a, a YouTube player for education in schools. And this is something that they've been trying to do for a long time, but you know, digital market, digital tools in education uh, is a growing sector, and it's another one that, that YouTube can, can stick its finger in that pie. The Google uh, CEO, uh, uh, Pichai, uh, revealed today that uh, he wants to simplify the company reports that uh, uh, report, Sundar Pichai reports that he wants to cut the company by 20%. What is the internal organization at Google in terms of YouTube? Um, does Susan report directly to Pichai? Uh, Susan, Susan does and, and has uh, since the split of Alphabet in 2015. So uh, it is, uh, Alphabet is a profoundly confusing uh, company to outsiders and even to insiders. Uh, YouTube has, and I, I reported about the book, like there was a discussion about when, when so Google um, you became Alphabet in, in 2015. In part, they wanted to show Wall Street, you know, how profitable their search business was, uh, and how much they were spending on, on these big moonshots. They wanted structurally to, you know, they, they were moving in self-driving cars and health and all these areas. There's an there. element of protection as well, Mark. They didn't want yes, to get regulated, absolutely. especially by the Europeans true. who might break them up. Uh, and YouTube felt like a natural splinter, you know, since the acquisition in 2006, Google has let YouTube operate its own office, its own brand. It is not like, say, what Facebook is doing to Instagram, where it's sort of brought to you by Facebook, right? Google has, I think, wisely uh, kept that that uh, brand and entity separate, but it still sits under Google in part because YouTube's business is so tied to the Google advertising machine. But how bound up are they together? Um, you know, when you go to the Google front page, when you do a, a, a search for YouTube on Google, it's almost like, I don't know what the, the metaphor is of searching for Google, for, for YouTube on Google. On Google. Um, it's, it, it's slightly absurd. To what extent is the Google search engine itself designed to promote YouTube? And to what extent is YouTube's ubiquity, particularly amongst young people, is it a consequence of the intelligence, and I use that word carefully, of Google search engine? In other words, the strategists at Google have done a remarkable job making YouTube so powerful. I agree. I think that's something I want to get across in the book is it's really important to understand YouTube. You have to understand Google. Uh, Google thinks of YouTube Google is a search company and it wants to be the world's leading artificial intelligence company. Uh, and so that's impacted the way they, the decisions they make. The, you know, the, the YouTube recommendation system was one of the first parts of the company to get the, the neural network, which is their advanced machine learning system that effectively does pattern matching uh, on its own, become a very powerful and, and heavily criticized tool. Uh, in, in serving people videos, you know, there's been plenty of reporting about that the like filter bubble echo chamber effect of that. Uh, there, in other words, you get what you want. You get your own right. community. If you're a Trump person, you get Trump videos. If you're a MSNBC person, you get MSNBC videos. Right. We, which is, you know, it, it is a it is part of the design of the algorithm. Is and YouTube did struggle for a long time to give deliver videos to people, right? Like when at this scale, the company decided. 
we're going to do this with software and, and we want to serve, we need to serve people relevant videos and their recommendations to keep them watching and engaging. That's the gold standard is it, internally, it's called watch time. Like their entire system is, is rigged to keep optimized for people watching more. And, and they've introduced things like we want viewers to be satisfied and we want responsibility and effectively we want so it's to designed to be addictive, Mark. We know that we've done a number of shows on that too. It's so yeah, in, it, in many ways, YouTube represents all the worst aspects of the digital revolution, addiction, um, uh, uh, echo chamber, uh, domination by a single company, uh, I think uh, one, one, a political organization, that... or at least a, a corporate organization that's so so vague, no one can understand where the real power lies. Uh, one thing that's been, you know, YouTube is is very politically savvy. Google is, and and, and they've they spent a lot of money on lobbying. And and one thing that they argue that separates them from effectively Facebook uh, is that they do have this online creator economy. And listen, that is the book goes into some detail about some of the worst uh, controversies and firestorms, and that's never going to cease. You you basically give the, anyone the power to broadcast what what they want, and you you give effectively like teenagers and twenty somethings. So he's become like internet uh, famous overnight. That that has consequences, and and um, but this is it is legitimately true that YouTube created careers for people that wouldn't have had these pathways in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, Evan Pushak, who is a very talented young man and and making who knows how much, but making some money on Google. Yeah, And I I dropped, I say Google, it's YouTube. But, you know, when we say Google, we mean YouTube and vice versa. I I mean, I wrote the book in in part because I do. Listen, YouTube's not going away. And there's at this point, it's not being regulated into obsolescence. It's, it, it is it is a fact, like you said, it's Who's the determining strategy in, in this alphabet organization, Mark, when it comes to figuring out what YouTube will become and what Google are becoming. Pichai is not the dynamic CEO in a, in a, in a Steve Jobs or a, or, a, or a Muskian sense, is he? Who, who is the real power here? Is it, no. is it um, Susan? Yeah, so I think YouTube is comp- yes, in, in some ways, like uh, Susan Wojcicki is, is the chief executive, is a decision maker. I, I you know, the, from my reporting, what some people uh, who work for her really like about her, what other people find uh, uh, really frustrating is that she is incredibly consensus oriented. Like it is a rule by committee organization, uh, and I think there are key players. Um, you know, you, Google as a company has been historically run by engineers. YouTube is, or Susan's not an engineer, but you know, Google was founded. Did you talk to garage. Susan for the book? Did she give uh, you some time? The company declined to to let me speak to Susan. Um, I that was a bit cheeky of them. Why do you think they they chose to decline? You don't seem a very destructive character, Mark. Oh, thank you. Um, I uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. Um, my sense, uh, in, they, from from very, my prior reporting, and I think what um, I'm really in, interested in is like pulling back the curtain on, on the company. And, and getting a sense about what it's like actually to work there. and what the If you could get in front of Susan, what would you ask her? If you could get her offline, take her for a drink or a lunch, what, what, what would you like to get out of her that you still are not sure about when it comes to YouTube? I, I'm curious what her biggest regret is. I, I think that, you know, she's talked a little bit about how they've moved, they move slowly. Uh, it's certainly true they move slowly on a variety of issues on, on addressing 
hate speech, on addressing harassment on the platform, on addressing kids. Like she is uh, a mother of five. She has, uh, Google has very intentionally, I talk about this in the book, marketed her as a working mom, not in the Sheryl Sandberg lean in mold, but in the like very competent professional mold, right? Like, yeah. And, and like not, she doesn't build a brand around herself. Like most people on the street, if you ask them to name the who runs YouTube, they, they couldn't couldn't think of who it was, right? Um, and and that's in some ways very intentional. Uh, but I I'm deeply YouTube is the world's biggest kids entertainment platform. It is gigantic. They did not intend this to happen, and largely because of the, their regulation around from, from a kids' uh, point privacy. of view, is the worst problem. It doesn't seem to be porn. Is the worst problem its echo chamber nature the fact that it's really ultimately just an advertising platform uh yeah i think so i mean i've talked to some researchers one there's just a paucity of like there's no data available like no one's really studied this um and i think some of that is on academia and my profession and journalism some of that is on youtube which it's just hard to study they don't share a lot of data with researchers we don't have it and part of it's just new right this this phenomenon that that entire generations of children are raised on youtube and and like what are they watching basically we don't know what the kids are watching and and some of this is is a little bit there's always been concerns and i talk about this in the book the history of of television is is always these concerns about uh about children but you know, television was regulated and is very regulated around educational. You have to have a certain amount of educational programming. You can't have overtly commercial program like the, the advertising and commercial programming is restricted and it needs to be balanced by education. And there are child labor labor laws about appearances of, of young children on TV. None of that existed on the internet and has existed. And Only kids these- can watch in their bedroom, on their phones, on their yeah, laptops, yeah, on anything they is- want. It is designed for, and like I mentioned, like watch time. Uh, and there are people at the company that knew this, right? Like this was, your, they, they talked about it as sort of- Who like? Uh, and so many of tech's critics have come out of, of Google. They were former in Google people. So Google knows all the secrets, doesn't it? Oh. Uh, it we, we, you know, the joke is we always, we, we tell Google things we wouldn't share with our spouse. Um, uh, in, in, in our searches. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm fascinated by the company in the part, part because it is, they, they grew up with this ideal, like very idealistic time in the internet, uh, very naive, but you know, YouTube in particular saw itself as an underdog. It was like taking on the gatekeepers, the like white male, um, Hollywood producers and agents, uh, and like giving a leg up to, to people that didn't have, uh, the, like a pathway in the traditional media. And then fast forward within a few years is a whiplash where they're, they're now being equated with big tobacco. Um, and I think that's a profoundly interesting tension uh, that I wanted to explore in, in, in the book. Um, are they, um, Mark, are they equivalent to big tobacco? Are they equivalent to Coca-Cola and the soda industry? What's the closest equivalent? Um, I don't think so. I think a better metaphor is, and I got this from, from some, someone at YouTube told me, you know, it's like, we'll look at this era maybe before 2019, 2020 as like cars before seatbelt laws, right? Um, I, the, the pandemic has changed dramatically. Like think about just just look at the um You mean vaccine. they're okay? They just need some seatbelt laws? I mean, to extend the metaphor here, like we're not getting rid of the car. Like YouTube's not going away, right? It is. It is yeah, but you can regulate tobacco. Right. You can regulate. Yes. Um, and and, and, and you can and regulate YouTube, guns. 
YouTube has been regulated more than I'd say any other big tech platform with uh, the FTC fined them in 2019 for violating children's online privacy laws. And that has had a, a market effect. It is uh, handicapped part, a big part of their business. It has forced them to pay attention to children's programming and when before they were sort of willfully blind to it. Uh, I think you could make a convincing argument that regulation has worked uh, at least in, in the margins here because like regulators started to treat YouTube a bit more like broadcast television. So in terms of seatbelt laws, what other seatbelt laws do we need? Um, you know, cars were very dangerous up until the mid 60s. Uh, uh, Europe... A series of books revealing how dangerous cars became. We regulated them. Can you talk specifically about how you would like YouTube to be regulated um, and whether or not uh, the antitrust people might have a case in splitting YouTube and Google in the same way as they're talking about split, splitting Instagram and, and Facebook or indeed uh, Amazon and, and Amazon, the Amazon e-store, uh, the electronic store and, and Amazon web services. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll put on my like neutral reporter hat and say I don't. I uh, I can sort of see how the world is and not necessarily. You just uh, written a book about YouTube. You've got yeah, to have I, your I, opinions. What I, I mean, I can tell you, you what. what you know, there's no point in having this conversation. And they, they, um, that that the regulation around the FTC and kids has changed, and I think it's become a better outcome for you know like um, and, and certainly had more scrutiny around children's programming is one. I think there's still a long like if if we look at compare YouTube to TV, like I mentioned, there's there's still no rules around commercial content. We still don't know necessarily like the impact on childhood development. Uh, in in Europe, they're talking more about something called algorithmic amplification, right? Basically, like you know, holding the companies liable and responsible for, in, in YouTube's case, what type of videos it recommends uh, and what impact if, the impact it has in the real world. Like I, I talk, the, the book uh, opens and, and spends a lot of time on the Christchurch shooting in 2019, in part because that was intimately tied with, with YouTube for a variety of reasons. And one of, one, one of them was that the, the shooter, the terrorist in that case, the New Zealand government, interviewed him and, and did a deep analysis and just determined that he was influenced. The, the ideas, the rhetoric uh, of white supremacy was informed largely by watching YouTube. Like this has real world consequences. Uh, and, and the company put in a lot of uh, like change their hate speech rules around that. But they will always point to the fact that, oh, they were able to, uh, you, you know, effectively like ISIS, Islam, Islamist extremism does not exist on, on YouTube or the commercial Internet anymore. Uh, the companies were kind of eradicated that form of of, of ideological based terror and they're, they're talking to people at youtube well we, we couldn't do the same thing for white nationalism in part because there there are no governments kind of pointing us to, to pointing us to the actors pointing us in a certain direction and I, I think that's one way in which you know if you start to, to the regulators actually like pay more attention to uh, a form of ideological terror that has had that continues to have real world consequences. We just saw it in Buffalo in, in May. Uh, I think that has, it will force the platforms to take action uh, and, and have some, some meaningful change. Mark, why not just make YouTube as accountable as, as terrestrial television, as traditional television or radio? What, what would be wrong with that? Or newspapers for that matter? I, I don't. I think that that's, I mean, it's, does, does Congress have the capacity to pass any laws around that? Like. I haven't seen well, that they can, Congress can reform laws. They can reform 
the various internet laws of the 1990s to recognize that. YouTube, as you say, is a giant. It's a leviathan. It's the largest entertainment company in the world. Yeah. Um, and it needs to be treated as such, doesn't it? I think that, that you know, we're seeing maybe we'll see some some action come out. Um, there's a, Google has certainly had like antitrust and, and they're facing, you know, unprecedented Don't sound very optimistic. Competition. I, I'm, I'm not optimistic. Is it because they have Congress. so many lawyers, smart lawyers, especially in Washington, uh, I think DC? that's a part of it. I think that, you know, I, the, I do think YouTube has a, um, unlike Facebook, it, they're generally, as the general association with, with regular consumers is positive. Most people's experience of YouTube is this thing taught me how to um, fix my car or do yoga at home, right? They, they, it, is, it is utility for a lot of people. I think that is a fundamental asset that Google leans on quite a bit and might make it harder to regulate. Um, that being said, it is, uh, you, you asked earlier about, you know, you, you search on, on Google and you, maybe you click on that video tab or something or like increasingly you'll see YouTube videos at the top of, of um, Google search results. You, they're, talk to, they're talk to competitors out there, right? That like clearly see this as a, as a monopolistic behavior. Uh, if you talk to Google, they'll say like, well, we're just giving the viewers the what kind of the, the most. Should I put this on uh, YouTube, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it, sure. I, I don't know. It's a crowded place. It's, it's hard should to break it. through. You probably have better chance of putting it on TikTok and seeing what having goes viral. Well, maybe we should go on TikTok. And finally, um, what about the idea of video search? That's always been one of the holy grails in the valley. I mean, Google obviously leads in search, but it's textual search. Given that YouTube is the dominant video company, is video search a reality? Is it conceivable or is it just one of these holy grails that will never happen? And, and do you mean by that just like not just people typing in the, the keywords on YouTube.com? No, but I mean, somehow a search engine that's rooted in video itself. Yeah, I mean, if any company can do it, it would be YouTube. Um, I think you know, there's a quote I have in the book that, that and this is a, a very typical response from people at, at Google when they've pressured on something like, how do you deal with conspiracy theories? Like one is they don't want to be the, you know, the arbiters of truth, um, despite the fact that they do draw lines in the sand. But uh, the other one is they say like video is really hard. Like we can't even, you know, the quote I, I talked to a senior engineer that's like, even people think just because we can build self-driving cars, that means we can determine what people say in a video. Uh, and, and make subjective judgment calls. And these are editorial decisions, right? Like that, that's sort of an argument that I, that I make and, and point out in the, in the book is like a lot of the, the naughtier content moderation decisions are based, are going to be decided by humans. And they just can't be programmed algorithmically. All right, it's all really important stuff. It's great, Mark, that you have your new book, Like comment, subscribe inside YouTube's chaotic rise to world domination. It's a really, really important story. They're so powerful. And as you've suggested, so misunderstood by so many people for so many different reasons. The book is, I think, out this week in the UK and it's out early next week in the US. I'm sure it's, oh, it's already out in the US. Oh, it's already out in the US. Yeah, yeah. You can buy it. Go and buy it. it is. Uh, and um and buy it on YouTube. Uh, you, you can't buy books on YouTube yet, can you? Um, uh, maybe soon. I mean, that, that's something where they're looking at. I'd say the future, um, my predictions would be like, you can buy more things directly on YouTube. So maybe well, congratulations on, on this on this book. It's taken you a lot of work. It requires a huge amount of effort to report on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, it's your first book, Mark. What else uh, are you reading these days to help you make sense 
of a complicated world? Um, oh, God. Uh, what am I reading these days? Um, I- I'm spending a lot more, t- more time looking at uh, climate tech, uh, both as a sort of given, you know, living in California is very visceral the impact of climate change. And, and there's now a lot of money pouring into uh, clean energy and clean tech and the Silicon Valley philosophy that they can sort of solve this uh, existential crisis. Of, uh, so I'm trying to read a lot about that. And what books in particular? Oh, God, what was um, uh, I just uh, that enrapturing book that I that the amazing um, climate science fiction book, Ministry of the Future. 